Welcome one, welcome all. This is the Film Effect Podcast. I am Dan Taylor. And I'm Jacob Bice. And today we are going to be talking about the one, the only, Disaster Artist. Written and starring James Franco along with his brother, Dean Franco. Dave. Alright. <laughs> I know it started with the D. I was close. Um, Dave Franco. And James also directed. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, um, we'll get more into that later. Um, first, we're going to start with our, you know, our little conversational piece in the beginning. Um, we've been watching The Meteor Man <laughs> for about 10 minutes. <laughs> in the background on mute. <laughs> yeah, right. And... I can tell Jacob's interested. I'm very interested when I saw a man get hit in the chest by a slowly soaring green <laughs> meteor and then just, like, ingest it? Yeah, he absorbed <laughs> it into his body. Um, so, yeah, that piqued my interest when I happened to just glance up and see that happen. For those of you that have never seen The Meteor Man, it is a film that was... Produced by Bill Cosby and, um, I just lost his name. Uh, Bill Cosby and, um... I've done it to both of us. Uh, Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy, I think, yeah. Bill Cosby and Eddie Murphy. It is a movie about a man that gets hit by a meteor and gains powers from it. It is probably, probably... One of the most influential superhero movies of all time. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. Jacob, see, there he is. There's the man. The There's myth, the Bill. legend. Bill Cosby, um, also known as... I'm not, I'm not going to make a joke about Bill Cosby's doing You're this. right. That's probably, that's probably way past the That's long. another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, join us on our Bill Cosby Appreciation Podcast. Um, you can find that at www.billappreciatesit.com. Um, I'm sure he does. <laughs> um, for those of you that have seen it, it's, it's worth the watch. It's... It's the 80s. It's a very progressive film uh, for the time, as Jacob and I were discussing. And I think I think you should give it a try. Jacob, have you seen any... Have you been watching any movies recently that you'd like to talk about before we get into the disaster events? Oh, you, you know what? No. Really? I really think that I have. Star Wars. Star Wars going to come out. I've been yeah. watching... I've just been uh, cycling through old Star Wars movies and then the disaster events. Yeah. All I've watched. I've been playing a lot of Civ. Yeah, oh, Civ's a great game. Civ Civilization, yeah. Civ 6. I'm addicted. I'm addicted. It's, it's a good game. I love Civ. Um, I could probably do a whole podcast on video games by myself. Um, and I think Civ's probably... It's just such a fun game. I just love the idea of just taking a nation to the top. Right, and it's uh, it was so cool and frustrating about it is how long that it takes. Like yeah. It's an investment. Even on quick play... It's going to take a while. Like I've heard people say, like, oh, you know, quick play, if you just sit down and, you know, stay focused, you knock out in a, in a day. I'm like, what? How yeah. are you playing? I'm, well, and whenever I've like played all day long, even on quick play, I just get, like, three quarters of the way through, and I'm worn out. Yeah, and it's like, you have to get so invested into it, because there's so much going on. You have such, you amass such territory, um, and it's just so much fun. Like, I love having the Romans fight the French, like, that would never happen. You know what I mean? That never happens in history, but I like to make it happen. You know what I mean? Right. I kind of role-play, you know, a lot in that game. Um, and, you know, something that uh, 
doesn't get talked about enough that game is there's a lot of historical accuracy mm-hmm. with it. Like the, uh, what was it? The Netherlands, their trade yeah. bonus. You don't think about it, but yeah, early modern period, they were the bosses of trade. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely were. Um, you know, it, it, it's historically accurate as well. Like you just said, it's, um, you know, they know, they know the nations. Yeah. Um, and they got little bonuses to them. You know, like they got the beggar shit because back in early modern times, they were the kings of the merchants. They were the. It was said that in every major harbor in the world, you could see one of a flag flying from one of their ships. Even in Japan, they were the only European nation allowed to freely sail into uh, Japan um, harbors because hmm. they didn't push their religion on. They cared about the money, and that was it. I didn't know that. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. That Japan makes sense. did not like that. They did not like it when you uh, start. You came in there trying to spread your religion, which is another thing in Sid. You can spread your religions to nations, and some will get ticked for them. Oh yeah, and that's a good way to win the game too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it's a great game. You can win through you know your army. You can win through economics, um, religion, science, and there's a fifth one I'm forgetting. Let's see here. It's culture. Diplomacy, uh, military, science, economics, and, and time. 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 Yeah, that's right. There yeah. was the most points at the end of time. Um, Which time? I never had that happen. I, me either. I, ha- I have one game where I won, but I wanted to win through military. I ended up getting voted world leader, though, way earlier than I expected. expected. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't even going for that win. It just kind of happened that way. And um, so I, you, there's an option. You can click to just keep playing on that campaign. And I did. And I played for so long, so long yeah. on that. Just Napoleon and I just going at it for <laughs> a long time, fighting each other. And, yeah, I, I ended up just like getting bored with it and was like, you know, I won a long time ago. I don't need to keep doing this. I'm going to go ahead and start a new campaign. But time never ran out on me. Like I assume I was getting close. It's It really is. It's just so much fun. It's micromanagement. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing exactly what your next move has to be, predicting the moves of others. And, you know, I don't know what difficulty play you play on, but the game can get really hard. I play on very hard. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I play on. So, like, the game gets difficult. You know, oh, yeah. um, I, you know, the, the strange thing for me was, like, normal was way too easy. I cruised through it. Mm-hmm. Bumped up to hard and had an awful time. Finally beat hard with Germany. So I wanted to make sure it wasn't a fluke. Gave it another shot with Japan. Beat it again, so I'm like two times in a row. Okay, time to move on to very hard. Move on to very hard. Um, I forget what nation I used for that one. I think I used Japan again since I just beat it with Japan. I knew it was going to be more difficult, so I can go with one that I'm I know how to how to play with. And um, dominated. Yeah, was winning in every single category. Yeah, and I even had to check like, did I turn it to very hard? Like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I did. It's just I could not tell like any difference. Between uh, very hard and hard, so then I take it up to extremely hard. Oh my gosh, yeah. there's a huge difference on that one. I got stomped. It's um, I I just love it because do you have five or six? Five. We're gonna have to play together. You, do you have it? Yeah. Oh, that's oh, yeah. great. Oh yeah. I'm um, always down to start another campaign. I just started one last night with Josh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who you play as? I'm. Who did I pick? He picked Denmark. Okay. And oh, I picked Germany. Gotcha. Good choice. Germany is solid. I always play the Romans. Favorites. I always play the Romans. I'm either the Romans 
Um, or the French. I try to switch it up all the time, but I, I, I haven't played too. as Germany in a long time. Yeah. And it was probably about around this time last year that I played with Germany. So it's like, I'm, I'm kind of interested to play with again. Plus, Josh picked Denmark, and I know he's big in the military. Right. And well, you need that power from, from Germany. Right. They get a bonus. Their military units are cheaper. And, like, yeah. And, like, that's why I like the Romans, because, like, they get, like, their early, early game military is Oh, is yeah. They great. start off with the Legion. Yeah, right? exactly right. Legionaries. So, I, I like, you know, you can take control of areas quickly. See, Germans, it's late game. They got the Panzer tank. They do. And it's solid. Yeah, um, it is. Oh, well, the mid game. To early game, they got one too. The uh, what are they like the Lancer or something like that? Yeah, but by the time the yeah. badass spearman. Yeah, but I mean by the time you get you know the legion, the legions from the Romans, like we've already got that. Right. You play as a Roman, but it's a fun game. I love it. I played as Polynesia the time before. That Ooh. was awesome. Yeah. Because you can one. just start embarking way out into the ocean immediately. Yeah. Typically, it takes a few errors before and you, you can, can do that. And you can discover so much. That gives you a lot of bonuses. I, Josh and I stopped. It was like a stalemate. We were nearing the end of the game. We both had like killed everybody. Was, the map was kind of like split down the middle between the two of us. Right. And it was on easy. So we were like, let's take it to hard and like do a huge map. Right. And just go ahead and start the, I the love next playing campaign. The huge maps. But he was saying, he's like, dude, I feel like I was playing from behind the whole game because of that bonus you had. You sailed over to my continent and set up a city eras before I could even reach you. And that I've I've been playing from behind from the very beginning because of that. It, no, that's true because, you know, if you, I play on continents, so they're all you know, set up differently. That's what I, I like to and, play with. you know, if you do that, you really screw your opponent up. Oh, yeah. You know, um, because, you know, like, like you said, you, you have cities everywhere and by the time they get to the places that you want to that they want to it's too late you've already, you've already put a city there. exactly yeah. and if you're like me you put cities everywhere yeah you know because i just want to control as much of the map as i physically can well and also for trade you know you got to expand your city so there's more cities to trade with the thing that the other thing that got josh at the end is he went with orders he was going with military stuff yeah, his ideology right. i went with freedom yeah. and he was getting mad he was kicking my ass in trade he had way more money than me he's making like 200 gold a turn 250 mm-hmm. gold a turn where i was at like 80 yeah right yeah, I was still beating him in the city-state game. And he's like, what is going on? I keep spending money on these guys. And then I turn around, and they're friends with you again. I'm like, oh, yeah, I went down the freedom track. And anytime I trade with somebody, I gain four points with them every turn. And that's so, every yes, time. Yeah. every turn. So you know, he's wasting four. thousands and thousands of gold yeah. befriending these guys. And you're just doing the right thing. And just by, tra- <laughs> just by making gold off them, trading with them, mm. I'm also becoming friends with them. And a lot of people don't realize the value in roads in oh, that yeah. game because a lot of people I played with they don't start building roads till halfway through the game and I'm like no I always I'm You've always lost building so roads. much so much money exactly yeah exactly so and not to mention just travel time you yeah know what I mean just you going need from to funnel troops somewhere there's nothing better than building and enhancing it to the to the uh, railroad mm-hmm. he was a little late getting the railroad and I like went at getting the railroad because I knew if he ever did send in his vast armies. Mm-hmm. And started to take one of the cities and killed all the people in it. Well, I got railroads connecting all my cities, so I can funnel more troops into there in just like a turn or two. Right. And I'll have another army there. Right, right, right. Fun, 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 fun. Civilization. Oh yeah, we can keep going on civilization for the next That's hour. That's for sure. Yeah. Welcome to the the film effect mo- the film effect video game podcast. Right. Um, the video game effect. I, on the other hand. Um, Aside from playing Civ, because that's what I'm always doing, we're going to have to film it, us playing it. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's what we're going to have to do, because I can capture it on my end. 
Um, we'll have to do that. We'll have to put it up on our YouTube channel mm-hmm. when we finally get her. Or we can you know, start a separate YouTube channel just for shit. Right. Just, <laughs> just for Civ. Right. Um, we'll have to make like backstories for our leaders. Oh, that would be so good. Yeah. You, we could turn it into like an actual like miniseries. Right, right. That would be fun. Um, I watched Johnny Soko and his flying robot. What? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a movie. It was on Comet, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on Comet. I knew it. <laughs> That's all that that, t- that channel doesn't change. That's that TV <laughs> is permanently stuck on Comet. Um, I was watching Johnny Soko and his flying robot. It's it's based on an anime, a manga from from Japan, obviously. Um, and it is about a young boy and his giant robot fighting a terrorist group. Oh. And it's like it's B movie greatness. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what a B movie is. Like it's a movie that's not not a triple A movie, not like it doesn't have a huge budget, but it's still good. Yeah. You know what I mean? You still enjoy watching it. Like um The Evil Dead. You know, The Evil Dead <laughs> is the B movie kink. Yeah. Um everyone loves it. But that's how I felt about Johnny Soko. It got great reviews. It's got an eight on IMDb and on uh, an eighty one on Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. So it, it's loved. Um I loved it. So if if that's a B movie, where does the room fall? Is that the original the F movie? Room? Oh, categories, God. man. Yeah, that's a that's a solid D movie. Probably. D movie, yeah. Yeah, I'll D give movie. it. I'll give it that. Because um, we've seen some independent films that are F movies. They're yeah, like yeah. You, they're not watching. And it. and they're okay. I'm gonna verge off. I've seen independent movies that are award winners that are awful. <laughs> you know, and I don't like, and they're they're just bad. The camera quality is bad. the The film quality is bad. The acting is bad. The writing is bad. And they win awards. They win like thousands of dollars in awards, and I don't get it. Right. You know, right. and it's like you can't give somebody awards just because they're a college kid in the middle film. It has to be good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's the bottom line. There has to be some kind of standard that they have to hit. Right. Exactly. And it's not just getting a movie done. Right. Exactly. If that's the case, then I need th- hundreds of awards. You know what I mean? I've, I've written hundreds of shorts, filmed tens of them. So where's my 30 grand? Right. Wouldn't that be nice? That could really spring us forward into the next production. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. We're done yeah, with our... So, um, but, yeah, the crazy thing about The Room, and James Franco was saying this, is you talk about these bad movies, and they're they're not watchable. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about the room, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's such a terrible movie," and they're not wrong, but it's watchable, right? Oddly enough, and it's it's one of those things. It's hard to even wrap your head around as you're watching it. Like you know how bad it is, and you're like laughing at it. It's almost awkward to watch. It's crazy. You can't pull your eyes away from it. It's like a two hour train wreck. Yeah, and that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what it has. It has the car crash effect. Yes. Um. So the the thing about it, I think, is that like. For those of us, like, the, I don't know. For a while, the film was kind of a cult thing. Right. You know what I mean? It still is mostly a cult Absolutely. film. That's that's why The Disaster Artist had a limited release. Um, but, like, it was such a, you know, such a cult thing that people that knew about The Room, they watched it because they, they are into film. Right. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like this a rite of passage. a tutorial on what not to do exactly. when you make a movie. But it's also a tutorial about... Just a movie that has heart. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a mo- what, what makes it watchable is that we knew actors in this and the director, you know, they put their heart into it and their effort to make this a good movie. Yes. As, as bad as it is, you can tell that there is a lot of effort that goes into mm-hmm. it. And they, they do care, which is one of the things that makes it 
so like awkward to watch. And cause, sad. Yeah, because you're watching and you're like cringing at some of these scenes. Like, oh, that was so bad. Man, and they and the, the sad thing is they were really trying there mm-hmm. too. But that happens, you know? That that happens and by some weird miracle it worked. Yeah. For them. <laughs> yeah. And it's you know, there's nobody ever wants to be the worst film in history. Right. You know? And so many nobody people tries to get that. <laughs> and so many people regard the room as the worst film in history. Which it's um, it's not. You can find like we were just saying. <laughs> there are movies that are just not watchable. Just okay. I want you to do me a favor right now, audience. Get on youtube.com, youtube.com, and search indie film, and watch anything that comes up, and it's probably worse than the room. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll send you a link to our trailer for Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, no. Seriously, fund us. Um, <laughs> um, no, it, it's just. What's so special about um, The Room is that, you know, it's just, you watch it and it's in good fun. You know what I mean? It's it's enjoyable. You know, you can take a breather from it. And even when it is it is cringy, you just sit back and you remember that it, it, it's okay. Right. You know what I mean? I, 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 I never felt, I never once have I watched The Room and felt like it's it's an embarrassment to know about it or to watch it or I'm upset that I wasted my time with it because I enjoy it every time. Right. You... You laugh. Right, exactly. It was intended to be this Tennessee Williams dark drama kind of deal. And I'm still not exactly sure how it even worked out this way, but it ends up just being hilarious. And you know what? You know what's so... So quotable. They're t-shirts. You you see Tony's face on the t-shirts. So, 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 so wonderful about it. What's so wonderful about it is that... It failed, right? Um, it, it it made like six hundred one thousand one hundred and sixty dollars or something like that, right? You're right. Like twelve hundred bucks almost. And Tommy Wiseau, Tommy Wiseau, right? Uh, yeah, Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy Tommy Wiseau turned around and he told everyone that he meant for it to be a comedy. And ever since then, we've all looked right. at it like that. We know right. it's a bad movie, but we want to laugh at it. <laughs> And it just worked for him. It worked out in his favor, totally and completely. Uh, James Franco even talks about that because you know, no, I feel like nobody's a bigger Tommy Wiseau fa- or uh, uh, expert. Nobody's better one than James Franco now. And Franco mentions how he is a master at rewriting history. Yeah, because he can stick to a story. Yeah, when he oh, yeah. comes up with it in his mind, that's what it is, and he's not going to break from it. And According to him, that's this is how it was intended. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, just ask him where he's from. Well, don't ask him now, because he'll tell you Eastern Europe. But before... Right! Before, right. he would tell you that he's from um, the Big Easy. New, New Orleans. Yeah, Nolans. Nolans. You know, uh, he would tell you he didn't have an accent. He would tell you he's 19. Um, yeah, he said he was 20 when he filmed The Room. You know, it's... No, no you weren't. <laughs> And another wonderful don't thing... don't know how he got the money. Yeah, right, exactly. Another wonderful thing about that movie is it was all self-budgeted. Yeah. He, he, he paid for all of it. He bought the equipment um, that it took to film it, which is unheard of. Everyone rents equipment in Hollywood because the equipment's so expensive. Right. He bought all of it. He bought it for 35mm and for HD. Right, which is just unheard it's of. It's ludicrous. No one does that. Um, he bought it 
up. He paid for the entire production. He paid for all of the staff. You know, it's 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 he really put everything he had into this because this was his dream. And as someone who dreams to make films, I appreciate that. Absolutely, I, I love that about this movie because I want to make films. I aspire to make films. You know, um, and, and just talking about this, it warms my heart to know that even if it didn't go the way he wanted, he can say that he fulfilled his dream. Oh yeah. He made a real Hollywood film, which he, he said, if you watch The Disaster Artist, he talks about that all the time. Mm-hmm. No, this is a real Hollywood film. This is a real Hollywood movie. A real Hollywood movie. Yeah, so, and but he did it. He did it. Even, you know, say what you will about it. He did it. It's viewed by many people. They still have screenings, and even in other countries. Uh, James Franco, in one of his many interviews he's done promoting this, talked about how, I, I think, is it London? Got one of the best reviews in Canada. Canada loves it. And Tommy always shows up to these. He's still very involved in the room, and people love it. They go crazy when they see Tommy. Let's talk real quick about the fact that the room is played every day somewhere in the world. Yeah, at a theater. That's mind-blowing. Every day. You know what else? How many shows can say that? Citizen Kane can't say that. You know what <laughs> else can say that? Shakespeare plays. Shakespeare! Right. Death of a Salesman. That's what's played every day in a theater somewhere or, or on, a, on a screen. That and the room is up there with that. and the rooms on the, that list. Now that's the crazy thing. That's what what uh, James Franco mentioned it multiple times, saying like, I and so did Seth Rogen. They're like, I've seen the room so many times, maybe more than any other movie. And you talk, you know, lots of people throw Citizen Kane out there as being one of the greatest movies. Citizen Kane, I've seen like twice. Yeah, you right, know? yeah, right. I, I personally have never seen Citizen Kane. I've seen the room probably at least ten times. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, I've seen I've seen The Room more than I've seen Baby Driver, and Baby Driver is one of my favorite films of all time. Oh, Baby Driver something. was great. You know? Yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. But I've still seen The Room way more times. Exactly, and like you know, that's not to discount Baby Driver. I've seen that movie mm-hmm. probably three or four times. Well, it's also just coming out. Right, exactly, and that's going to be added. But you know, after seeing The Disaster Artist, I'll probably watch The Room at least once a year. Yes, yes, and then immediately follow it with the disaster artist. (laughs) Exactly, right. It's just such a wonderful... Before we move on, we were were talking about the funding thing. One of my favorite parts of this story is that this dude, Tommy, he used his own money to rent a giant billboard in L.A. and keep the room up there for years, wasn't it? Years after it it had come out. And And it has a number on it. His face... His terrifying face and a number on the top that turns out, if you call it, leads to his phone where he'd tell you to go see the room. And you know what's so, so, so nuts about the, another not so thing about uh, the room is that he paid to keep it in a theater for two weeks, even though it was making no money. Right. For two whole weeks, though, it was making no money. So and that's thousands of dollars. You cannot blame the guy for for not trying. You yeah, know? he definitely he tried. Did everything and, and that he could. It turned around and it made him millions. Oh yeah, made him millions. He's iconic now. Yeah, he is. Like I said, there, there's T-shirts with his face on it, doing the famous "You're tearing me apart, Lisa." If we talk about if we talk about indie filmmakers, and Tommy Wiseau is not thrown in there. Um, maybe not great indie filmmakers, but if we <laughs> right. talk about influential indie filmmakers, oh, Tommy Wiseau's up there. He's, He's got to be up there. Exactly. He kind of created Mumblecore, which is kind of like acting but not acting. 
Right. If that makes sense. Right. You know, because there's a lot of that, I think, in, in the room. Maybe not on purpose. <laughs> That's, you tell you it was. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mumble Clay, I invented that. <laughs> well, I'm great American director. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, you know, talking about him rewriting history, James Franco. Yeah, I've seen, I watched a lot of interviews leading up to this because I was so excited for it. And, uh, um, one of the interviews, they asked Tommy, like, so what did you think about this representation? He's like, I agree 99.9%. And they're like, oh, what's the point one? And to now he's saying that it's how they showed Tommy throwing the football. And James Franco literally says, I got to call bullshit on that. <laughs> uh, because when you first told me, you said it was a lighting issue. You didn't care for the lighting in the beginning. You were wearing your sunglasses. <laughs> you watched him in the beginning. He's always wearing sunglasses. Every interview I think I've seen of him leading up to this, like him and James interviewed together, he's wearing his sunglasses. Yeah, you know, there's I wear my sunglasses everywhere too. Um, so I think there's just a little bit of you know pe- people don't like people that wear sunglasses. I'm in Team Tommy. I'm in Camp Tommy. Sunglasses everywhere. Um, another another wonderful interview. Um, I forget, it was a, a late show, we talked about this after the movie, where they asked Tommy where he was from, and for the first time ever, yeah. Tommy admitted that he's from Eastern Europe, and that, that was just this year. It was Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel, and that was you can just look it up. this year. First time he's ever admitted that he's from Eastern Europe. Yeah, and James Franco is there, he tells him before he comes out, he tells Jimmy, you can try and get these out of him, but don't expect much, because these are the three big mysteries. How old he is... Where did the money come from, and where is he from? He'll, he'll always say New Orleans. Goes out there, and Jimmy starts questioning him, and he just says it. And, like, so fast, he tries to just, like, brush right past it. Oh, from Eastern Europe. Yeah, and then I moved to the Big East, and then just, like, rolls right on through it. And James has to literally be like, whoa, this, this is huge. No, this is the first time this has ever been heard. Like, he never admits to that. And it's – I don't know why – James Franco uh, has is such a fan of of Tommy Wiseau because I'll be honest with you before before the Disaster Artist and before I really started getting into film a few years ago, I guess probably a lot longer. It's probably been like eight years since mm-hmm. I've been really into film, but like I didn't like Tommy Wiseau because I thought he was just like a lying bastard. Um, but <laughs> like I, I wonder where James Franco got this appreciation for Tommy Wiseau because like it's I could see where it'd be hard to learn to love him. It was from the book. Oh, yeah, I think... He said uh, he's one of the weird people who found the room through the book. Oh. Yeah, he, he said well, okay. Seth Rogen would say it's a very Franco thing. Yeah, that sounds do. about right. Yeah, he read the book first hmm. before he even saw it. And that's where, it's, you know, and the book gives the dreamer part to it. You know, because I'm kind of in, this, in the same camp. I was like, you know, it's good. The movie's, like, fun to laugh at. But I have to admit, my respect levels for Tommy were right. minimal. Right, know? exactly. And after, because from what I hear, they, they did the book, Good Justice, you know, they, mm-hmm. they stuck pretty close to the book. And based off of the movie, I mean, yeah, there's, they, they definitely show his flaws. Mm-hmm. But they do a great job of showing the dreamer in him as well. Right. And making you kind of feel for him. And you're happy for his achievement, and that's what it is. It's an achievement that he he, he, he reaches. Yeah, yeah, he reaches at the end. Yeah, even if at first you know people are 
laughing at the film and he's tearing up sad about it. This is not the way he anticipated this going. He does come to that realization that, yeah, maybe this isn't how I wanted them to react, but I'm getting a reaction. Yeah, and that's what. And I'm going to roll with it. And then immediately from then on, the story is, this is what I intended. (laughs) He won't go back on that. Yeah. I think that uh, I've always, that's the impression I've always been under, especially in writing, is that I want to take the audience out of their lives Mm -hmm. for a second. Yeah. Um, Because, like, let's be real, we're all human and we all, like, we all have shitty, we don't have shitty lives, we all have shitty moments in our lives. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, just moments that don't, like, sometimes we just can't deal with ourselves Mm -hmm. or what's going on in our personal lives. And to me, movies are are what takes us out of that. Right. I mean, we we can be in another world for a minute, you know. And maybe sometimes we're in another world with people we care about. You know, and that's so important to me. Um, And I think Tommy kind of, like, kind of realized that, like, oh, like, wait a second, these people are enjoying it. And that's what matters. Right. And I, I and love that. And not just enjoying it, but loving it. You know, they're yeah. laughing their ass off, which at first sucked, but when you really think about it, that's great. People mm-hmm. are loving this movie. So that's, you got to account for that. And Disaster Artist does such a great job showing the, the ramp up to that. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, Totally, totally does it so well. I like how this has become a The Room review. I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's hard to review The Disaster Artist without about the making of The Room. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say right now, um, I think we're going to have to say that there are going to be spoilers. It's hard, We can't review this movie without spoilers because it's a telling of the making of. Right. Right. So right. this is really, you're listening to a bio flick review. Which means we're going to be talking about history. Right. And that's the thing. It's like uh, the, the whole thing is going to be spoiler alert. But it shouldn't really. If you've seen The Room, then you, right, you exactly. know Here's, if what happens if you're listening in the to, end. If you're listening to the Disaster Artist Review, you've seen The Room. You know what The Room's about. You you don't have to worry about being spoiled for that. You just have to be worried about being spoiled about Tommy Wiseau's life. So, right. spoilers for the existence of Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> right. Um, so, and Greg Sestera. A lo- another little disclaimer here. Um, I've heard some people say, like, oh, yeah, you can watch this movie without seeing The Room and still enjoy it. And I'm like, maybe. If you- I would not have liked it nearly as much if I hadn't seen The Room. There are so many little inside jokes from the movie that you wouldn't get at all. And plus, I feel like it would take a while just to come to terms like, well, is this this can't be a real person, you know, unless you had seen the movie before and already grappled with the fact that someone like this exists, this larger than life character. And that's him. That's right. He's just pretty much being himself. Um, so if you, let me, let me think here. (laughs) I'm sorry. I've kind of lost. If you're a huge James Franco fan, huge Seth Rogen fan, like their brand of comedy, like their brand of writing and directing, see this movie. Yep. Absolutely. If you do not like that style, do not see it if you don't know what the room is. Watch the room first. You can find it on free. You can find it for free anywhere. Look, I would say buy this. I want you to buy this movie because I, I think the room deserves it. But if you can't afford to buy the movie, then you can find it online for free. And I'm not supporting pirating, but like YouTube has it. You know what I mean? There are ways to see this for free because it's in college libraries that are free. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm just saying, like, there are ways to get it. Watch it first before you see this movie because it adds to it. Um, they do a scene by scene at the end of the movie where they they literally filmed 
the scenes from the room with the cast of the disaster artist, and they match frame for frame almost. Frame yeah. for frame. It's it so good. It was freaky in some areas. It was. And I, I literally got lost at the end where they, they... At the end of the movie, they play the film on the big screen. They play the room on the big screen. And I, for a second, I was like, are they actually playing the original The Room? No, right. Or are right. they playing a version that they filmed? It was that close. So good. So good. It was good. freaky in some areas. Like, even the pacing on how they were saying the lines were right on tempo. Yeah, right. Exactly. It was, it was really well done. Um, and it's a heartfelt movie. It really is, surprisingly. And I think I talked in the last podcast about that, about how my worry was they were going to make this into, like, more of a spoof. Just, like, constant laughs. Just a big joke. But, like, like you said a minute ago, it's history. And it needs to be taken serious. And I feel like with a movie like The Room, when you're making a movie about the making of The Room, this comedy that tried to be serious but ended up being a dark comedy, if you're doing it correctly, you shouldn't have to try and be funny. You should just try to be as much like them as possible, and you're going to end up being funny. And that's exactly what happened. Um, So that being said, we're going to talk about the cast real quick because there are some issues I have with some of the cast. Okay. Um, Dave? Dave? Yeah. Dave Franco? Did not I when I first saw him I was like looks exactly like Greg Sestero. Mm-hmm. When they put them side by side I was like I don't see it. Anymore. Not as much. Yeah, I was I was like he's too small, mm-hmm. too small to be Greg. He was he was a small. That was the one thing I noticed. Yeah, his face looked like him right quite a bit, but I just think he was a bit too small to play Greg, and that kind of took me out of it towards the end there. Um, James Franco as Tommy Wiseau, perfect casting. Oh my gosh, perfect. I'm, yeah, like spot on. I didn't realize how much they looked alike until he started doing the... Well, they use a lot of... Uh, I think I heard James Franco saying they even put like a fake nose on him. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, they like, used a lot still, of prosthetics. Like, there's a lot, like he, he mastered the art of his of Tommy Wiseau's movements. Yeah. To he, a key. He talks about that. Yeah. He's like, you know, uh, I've played other real characters before, like 127 hours. Right. It's like, But I didn't really worry so much about looking like him yeah. because... You know, the general public doesn't know what he even looks like. They right. don't know how he walks, how he talks, right. how he, little facial ge- uh, gestures that he, he'll, he'll make. They, mm-hmm. they don't know that. They're more worried about the emotional part of the story. Mm-hmm. And that's what I focus on. But for Tommy, you just punch it into YouTube, the room, like you were saying, and pull it up. And there he is. And he has, you know, the way that he moves is just so strange yes yeah, <laughs> not he is yeah, not, human. not human so and that's important you know if you don't capture that that takes half the strangeness away from that character and that's what's so interesting about him is just how strange he i is. i read a review of of the disaster artist um and it made me laugh now that you said that about tommy um and it said i am so angry that they cast james franco a white man instead of finding whatever Whatever alien race Tommy Wiseau is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, it just, I, was, I was like, no, they're absolutely right. Because he does have a very weird presence. Right. You know, the way he is. It's yeah. just not normal. And it's, yeah, it's not like, oh, well, that's a New York accent or an Eastern right. Europe way of walking. Or yeah, right. right. No, it's all just his brand. Mm-hmm. Tommy. <laughs> it's Tommy's walk. Tommy's accent. They just got everything down for for James. um, From nailed it. From the way he walked, the way he talked, the way he looked, the way he dressed with his eight belts. It was perfect. (laughs) So Um, many belts all the time. Seth Rogen, though limited, um, he only had probably thirty minutes of screen time. I say maybe forty five. Yeah, yeah. But that was good. If this, if there was more Seth Rogen, I don't think I would like it as much. 
it's good to have a break of Seth Rogen and James Franco. Yeah, they didn't force it at all. And yeah, I loved that. And, and he played a different character, mm-hmm. which was so good for Seth Rogen because Nerd. now I can see he can act. <laughs> right. He, <laughs> he didn't look for his weed once. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Not once was. And and I I didn't even hear. <laughs> yeah. and, right. No, it, like he can act, and it was good to see him acting. Even if it was still a comedic role, it was good to see him do something serious. Um, other actors and actresses in that. Everyone that portrayed another actor from The Room did a fantastic job. I don't know all the actors' names. I'm sorry. I should know that. Do you, ha- do you have I them? I was going to say, I can pull them up right here. I got Just, it. Just, you know, if, if, if they played someone that played in The Room, they did a great job. And the cast looked spot on. Um, that's all I have to say. The cast was fantastic. The casting was done so well. And I think James Franco had a selection in the cast, too. I bet he did. I mean, he had a lot of control on most of the film. Um, yes, I forgot Zac Efron makes an appearance. Oh, yeah! I'm kind of mad at myself now I said Because one of my favorite parts of the film was not knowing that he was going to be in it. Chris R. Yeah, I think <laughs> Chris R's there. And he's being like so intense. He's psyched up before his scene, punching the wall, cussing for no reason. And I kept being like, Know that guy, right? Right. Who is? Because he's got like a what do you what a do you daddy-o? call that? Yeah, yeah. He's got facial hair and he's he's using a little different voice. But I kept I just like I know that guy. And then I finally got a still close up on his face. That's Zac Efron. It, it was so good. And like they do it so subtly at the end. Where he's like, Hey, did you play? Did you play Chris R? And Zac Efron's like, Oh yeah, that was me. That was me. Yeah, from day one of shooting, I was Chris R. And he's shaved by that point. It was so good. It was so good. Uh, Josh Hutchinson plays Denny. Okay, great. Did Josh Hutchinson plays him. Yeah, yeah. He's just picturing with the stupid hair on. Well, that kind of blows my mind. I should. Rec- I don't know how I didn't recognize Josh Hutchinson. No, and that's one of the things I heard was as a, like a a mark against the film was. We had some other big name actors in there playing parts, but their character was not big. That's like, okay. I'm fine with that. I don't need to have this huge background story for every single character that has a big actor in it. Yeah, we also had a small actor that played a huge part with Dave Franco. Dave Franco's a pretty small actor, right? He's not really. And stature, yeah. <laughs> is he? <laughs> no, no he is. He's starting to get bigger. Because he's a lot he's younger. Slowly he's slowly young, starting to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. He's nowhere near He's not Seth he, Rogen, James right, exactly. Franco. That's what I mean, yeah. And he, he had a bigger role in this. And it's Hell, even Josh Hutcherson is, um, has a higher regard than, uh, than Dave. And Dave right, that's what I'm saying. Like, and Zac Efron, of course. You looked at me like I was an idiot when I said Dave, and you were like, come on, Dan. <laughs> you know Dave Frank. And I do, but like he's not a big name. Um, it's just all, all of the actors in it were, were really fantastic and spot on. Um, even the pug. Oh, hi, doggy. It was... What's his name? Paul Shear? The pug? guy from the, the league? No. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a full name. No. No, um, Paul Shear, he's somebody I've only seen play like just ridiculous roles. And no, he played a very serious role in this one. And I mean, he was still comical. But once again, this, this is about the making of a dark comedy. You can't go in and spoof this thing. And it's also, it's also, it's not comical in nature. No, exactly. You know, it's funny because of the characters. And you know how it turns out, too. Exactly. That's the other thing. When they're being super serious and trying to get this film nailed down and they're shooting this scene, 
this is why you got to see the room first because you're like, I ah, no, I know how this scene turns out. It's not and you're laughing about it, yeah, the entire time. There's a scene. They're filming a sex scene. No. Um, and and Tommy, who plays who plays the main character, he plays um, Johnny. Johnny. Is it Johnny? Yeah, I, I think it's it is Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. He plays Johnny, and he's having sex with his, his girlfriend. Lisa. Lisa, yeah. And they're they're filming it, and she goes, she looks at him and she goes, um, don't you think you're aiming a little high? <laughs> and, and Seth Rogen's character goes, why is he having sex with her belly button? And it's just so, so spot on. It's so, so spot on. Because in the movie, it does look That's, like that. Yeah, I remember even commenting on it. And I think Cody might have even said the exact belly button line. Yeah, this was like five years ago we were watching. Like, what? This is not how this act is done. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it's spot on. So, so, so well done. And, you know, exactly like Jacob said, you just know how it's going to turn out. So, so, so seeing it happen makes it even better because we've all envisioned it like everyone that's seen the room before this movie has been like i wonder what it was like yeah no seriously that's always <laughs> my thought watching is like how did this happen who was on set not saying something about this everyone everyone was saying something yeah ever and you know and and the only reason people stop saying something and this is my knock against tony is or tommy, uh, tommy you said Tony. i know i got us off the bat <laughs> uh my knock my only knock against Tommy is that while he was filming this, awful person. Oh, yeah. A terrible, awful, oh. awful person. See, and that's where they do a good job of showing both sides. Right, exactly. And I think he became a better person after his movie bombed. Right. And, it, you know, he's like, he's like, it doesn't matter. Like, I made it. You know what right. I mean? And, and maybe he's, he could still be a totally bad person. I don't know. Well, but the, what he portrays to people is better, I think. Well, something to think about is the stress level of producing directing yeah. and starring in a film when you've never even done a film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like James Franco was talking about that one and, you know, he's kind of doing the, a similar thing with this film and they asked him, like, well, how were you able to do it? And his response was, I have all these people around me who I've been doing stuff with since Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. Years and years ago. Yeah. 20 and, years of, like, working together and stuff like that. Right. So he was saying, you know, if you have to, like, get everybody in place, explain the scene, then run around in front of the camera, do the scene, then break out of character, run back around behind the camera, rewatch the scene, give new... If you're really doing all of it, you will exhaust yourself and you'll become that monster that he was on set. Yeah. But I was, I'm fortunate enough to have people around me who I trust and when I did the scene, I didn't have to run around and check everything out. They would just give me the thumbs up or the thumbs down and I would trust them. And so that way he could just be Tommy on set, which is another funny story. I've heard them talk about how he was Tommy like the whole time. Oh, I he didn't break character and people would get on set and be like, what the fuck is going on? Oh yeah. James is Tommy like permanently right now. It's, you'll get used to it. Seth Rogen said it even took me a few days to get over it. I just, I had to tell people just laugh in his face. That's what I did. And just walk away. That, that sounds about right. And you know, it, it, and it, it really attests to, uh, to James Franco's commitment yeah. on this movie because he wanted this movie to be perfect, mm-hmm. um, which says something. We don't see him direct a lot, and after seeing this, I want to see him direct more. I was going to say, I bet it's going to happen more after. And this. I think because he's a better director than Seth Rogen is. I believe so. Um, and I enjoy Seth Rogen movies. They're dumb. 
yeah. But that's they, why I don't take a whole that. lot of thought right. to appreciate the, the world's end. Yeah, like, this is the end. <laughs> yeah, this is the yeah. end. Yeah, the world's end is the other one. But it makes fantastic stoner movies. Yeah, they're yeah exactly like they're exactly what they're they just are. dumb movies for you to watch while you're high or drunk or whatever you're doing yeah, at the time. Both. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Whatever suits you fancy. Um, but I think James Franco's movies have more thought. Yeah, there's more sustenance. Exactly, and he's a he's a better actor. He's such a good he's actor. Amazing. Why is he not casting more? I feel like it's because he keeps himself so freaking busy. And I also he was it, on Colbert like a year ago. And Colbert was like, do you realize you have had a, a hand in 60, six, I think it was like 60 productions this year? And James is like, yeah, I know. I did. Colbert, we're going to have to have an intervention for you, man. You need to calm down. This is why you haven't found a woman yet. You know? so he was talking about being at Thanksgiving dinner and all of his brothers have girlfriends. And even Dave. It was a lot younger than him. It's Dave's girlfriend's like, James, when are you going to calm down? <laughs> Start to settle down? I mean, he's, he's got all kinds of degrees. He was even teaching. He was a professor at a college for yeah, a while. Yeah, he taught film, too. He's at, like, life goals right there. And, James Franco. And, like, you know, another thing about it is I think he doesn't cast a lot because of his work with Seth Rogen. Right. And, look, I, I love Seth Rogen. You know what I mean? But it's just, like, when you work with your best friend, for so long, eventually it just gets to the point where it's like, I'm gonna go do my stuff over here, but I always want to have a place for working with you. Right. You know what I mean? Which is like, I totally get that because, like, you know, if after you work with someone for so long, you become attached to that mentality. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like a relationship. You know what I mean? You build, you know, you build a relationship with someone that you love. You don't, you don't want to see an end. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so you just work with it. You work it into blossoming. Um, I think that's that's what makes. That's what makes Seth Rogen's movies so good, is because they're with people they they all love and they all like like working together. You know, yeah. um, that's why we, we see movies fail all the time where it's like I didn't like working with them, and it's like you yeah. set yourself up for failure right. when right. you do that. We I mean we see movies succeed that happen, but a lot more often when the two lead actors or the actor and the director don't get along, it doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. That being said. That being said, this movie was a success. Oh. So, so, so. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't think everyone in the everyone in the crowd applauded after we had yeah. seen it. And it's like I said, it's a. I believe it's a limited release. I don't think, I think so. Yeah, I believe it's a limited release. Um, so people that went to see it wanted to see it. It right. wasn't. It wasn't just like, oh, I just want to see a movie. What's on? Yeah, we we had to make a little drive. Yeah, we to go, yeah. to go find it. You probably had to drive an hour or so. I, yep. I drove 40, 45 minutes. I think yeah, we drove about an hour, hour and fifteen, something like that. Yeah, and um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, probably. Yeah. And I, you know, it, it was worth it. Um, so you know, it sucks because this is a wonderful movie, and if you haven't seen it, you need to find a theater that's 30, 45 minutes, an hour away to see it. Um, but I know what you're all thinking. Star Wars is releasing, and at this point, it's going to release tomorrow because this is coming out on the thirteenth. Um, and I, I, we, I know you're thinking that you don't have time to see both. Make time. Whatever theater you're going to go see Star Wars, see the morning showing of Disaster Wars. <laughs> and after, after, after you see Disaster Artist and then see Star Wars, you're going to forget about Disaster Artist because you've seen Star Wars. But it's just worth seeing. <laughs> it's that good. A quick. I don't know if it's exactly a correction necessarily, but like a correction for some theaters. Like, uh, we're not showing Star Wars until Thursday, until the 14th. That's what I said. You said the, the 13th. I said it's coming out tomorrow for you guys because this is going up on the 13th. Oh, wait, what? 
This this podcast is going up tomorrow. Oh. The 13th. So tomorrow for them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Star Wars is coming out on December 14th. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 7 p.m. for most theaters. Yeah, it's 7 for us, I believe. So, that PSA. Yes. December is Star Wars month. Damn right. And we're not talking about Star Wars because last podcast <laughs> yeah. we talked about Star Wars. You guys are going to get a, a, a Star Wars take that is hot off the presses from us. Hell yeah. It, you're going to be freaking blown away because we're going to be so jacked up on Star Wars cocaine. All right. That's, <laughs> that's kind of my worry. Like, I, I don't know how it's going to go exactly because we haven't seen it yet. So we might it's going to be like, I can't believe that. I'm going to be ranting. Well, one way or another, I'm probably going to be ranting. We're going to have to do a spoiler warning from the very beginning for that one, too. Because <laughs> I know I'm not going to be able to keep it in. Yeah, it's... Well, I feel like we can probably get through the first half without... We'll have to take some deep breaths, calm ourselves down, and get to, like, okay, let's just talk about acting and uh, right. story directing and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, then halfway through, we're going to have to release a giant spoiler alert. Right. So we're going to have to just attack it for whatever it, whatever we loved or hated about it. And there's also not going to be like a 15 minute talk segment at the beginning. Yeah, like I said, no. we're coming right, right. We're filming this right out of the theater. Yep. We're reco- filming. We're recording this right out of the theater, so it's going to be all of our emotions and thoughts. We might do a part Four two, hours. I imagine, because <laughs> it's going to be like you're just going to get our all of our anger, all of our love, all of our everything just right out from us. So if that comes out and we we put it up and we end up hating it. Um, we might do a part two. Yeah, clean it up a little. Right, like, exactly. So what I meant during that rant was right. Exactly. So, because I am a ranter, I am too. I can get on some rants. I am too. I, uh, as you guys can probably tell, I definitely <laughs> do it here. <laughs> right. I feel like I ranted some on the last Star Wars. Uh, well, it's Star Wars. It's hard not to rant about Star Wars because right. there's eight movies now. Would well, you if you count Rogue about Squadron, it? there's nine of them. That's that's hard. And then there's ten next year with Han Solo. Ten Star Wars movies. I never thought I was going to hear that in my life. Yeah, no, never. I thought I thought six. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I thought I thought six was going to be it. Yeah, that blew my mind. I was like, I cannot believe it. Yes, they're coming out with more Star Wars. We're going to have six of these bad boys. And now six seems like such a low number. I know, and it's it kills me because I don't want to see it become the franchise that. There's too it's many. Just done it to the ground. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, there's always going to be spot a spot in my heart for Star Wars. Right. Yeah, you know I mean, I'm always gonna, I'm always gonna love it. My fear is, and it's kind of already happened. You're gonna have so many; it's gonna be intimidating for newcomers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely that's definitely true. Because I've had some newcomers ask me, you know, because this one's coming out, and they work at the theaters. There's, there's a, a few girls who work at the theaters with me that are kind of feeding into the hype, and they're wanting to go see it. And they're like, um, but I haven't seen any Star Wars before. Is that going to be a problem? It's like, yes. Yeah. Now, not like a huge problem because you could probably understand this one just by going back and watching Seven. Seven. But you're still, you're not going to get the full effect unless you watch them all. She's like, okay, so what? Just get like episode one and watch them straight through? No. <laughs> yeah, you got to watch them in the yeah. right got to do like, see, and that's, that's where it gets weird with Rogue One because Rogue One feeds like right in to four. Right. So it's like, do you tell them to start with four? Or with Rogue One? I didn't. I said start with four. Four, five, six. Then go do one, two, three. Then do 
Well, shoot, now you got to do four, five, six, then seven. I guess. See, if you're if you're it's, gonna, it's so okay. difficult. If, now. if you're a first time <laughs> if you're a first time watcher of Star Wars, if 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 Star Wars Episode Eight has piqued your interest, and for some ungodly reason you're listening to a film podcast and you've never seen a Star Wars movie, <laughs> do me a favor, okay? Find copies of Episode Four, Five, and Six, and Seven. Watch those, then watch Eight. Okay, that's a, that's a good jump that's start. Good. Yeah. yeah, that's Star Wars. If you like it, one, two, three, Rogue go check out those prequels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's the only way to do it. That's how I told her to do it. But it is funny how, like, it's the only series I know where you got to stop and think, like, how should they watch these movies? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, well, good. I guess scratch the head you, for a second and really Lord think of the Rings about and it. The Hobbit, do you tell some? No, no you I, never I tell anyone Hobbit. to watch I, The Hobbit. I, that, I, yeah. I try and forget it exists. I forgot. I um, love Lord of the Rings. I love it. But I, it's like complete opposite end of the spectrum. Do you like the Hobbit like, cartoons? From the 60s or whatever? I've never seen it. You miss out. Never it's seen good. It. It's, they do Hobbit way better. It's also only one movie. I, I, <laughs> I believe it because they probably just did one film with it. See, oh. I feel like one film, that'd be so good. That'd be so good. I, I was. I and the casting was all there. The was casting was yeah, all there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with this. The, yeah. yeah. The casting was all there. And they freaking screwed it up. Yeah, because I was so excited when I heard it? Ian McKellen was coming back. Yeah. To uh, be Gandalf is like score. Yeah. There we go. You're already pretty much set, I think. And then they and have... then I heard it was going to be three movies. What? And I immediately was like, I don't think this is going to work out. I gave it a shot. I went and saw the first two, but just I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Why is Legolas in it? Yeah, I don't don't even know he started on that. That made me so angry. Jumping across the heads of dwarves floating in barrels. I. Kn- Look, shooting CGI or I, I, no, I, I get I get that The <sighs> Hobbit is aimed more at children the book oh, oh, for sure yeah. but not this movie why why I, I don't know I don't, I don't know there's just I just have so many so many issues with it and like Gandalf fights Sauron in the second one it's like why are you so scared of Sauron coming back in uh, the fellowship if you've already fought this dude just a few years back <laughs> right right it's, you know he's back then, I guess. That's, no, I I, for, I try and forget they exist, and I just watch Lord of the Rings, the extended editions. Yep, spend a whole day. Just watch them all. Literally a whole day. If you're me, if you're me, it's like a whole day. If you're Jacob, you watch them as you sleep. I do, I do. So I watch like chapters. Nothing wrong with that. I'd be like, okay, uh, start fellowship, and I watch like all of the Shire scene. Mm-hmm. And they leave the Shire, and I let myself fall asleep. I come back to it the next night, turn it on where they their road to Riverdale. Nothing wrong with that. That's how you watch it. Because they're long movies. They're very long. They're like three and a half, four hours long it's each. Not, it's not like Star Wars where it's like you can watch one a day. Because in Lord of the Rings, it's like they're five hours for the extended edition. So it's like if you want to break it up, feel free. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. No, I one of the girls at the, the movie theater, she was like, yeah, this Star Wars movies are really long too. And I was like, yeah, I mean, like two hours. Yeah, right. The longest one might be like two and a half hours. Now that's episode three. Yeah, and, like, so like if and it's action packed, so like you're not gonna be bored. It's it's not that bad. It's not like watching Gone with the Wind. Like That's that. like a six hour movie. That is so long. And then oh, like about halfway gosh. through, you're just like, it's got to be close to being done. And you check, and you're just like, intermission. Like what? This is halfway. Yeah. If a movie's got an intermission, you know there's an issue. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm, I'm fine good. with some intermissions. I'm um, good. I love long like movies. Lords of Arabia is pretty long. It has an intermission. Lords of Arabia is great. I love that though. movie. 
Yeah. Did you put that in the Hall of Fame? Yep. Last, yeah. yeah. That's the that's the one I. Nice, nice which we haven't inducted anymore. What? To our, our Hall of Fame. What did we do? We did Star Wars last time, right? And we didn't. Here's, yeah, that's right. We did oh, Star wait. Wars last time. And we just got the rant about did, Star Wars. Did and, we do the Hall of Fame in Coco? Yes, that's I where we did. I couldn't it. save the. There was a problem with Coco because we used the bad mic and I didn't realize it. Oh, really? Yeah. So I didn't say we couldn't say Coco. So Coco's not episode two was this, or Star Wars was episode two. Of no podcast. way! Yeah, I did. Not I forgot know to this. tell you that. Did, did you a, listen to Star Wars by the way? Behind, I started to, and I got distracted. And you're like, fuck it. I don't even remember. I, yeah. <laughs> I started and I was like, this sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're, we're all right. So are we done with the disaster artist? Can we rate it? I think it's time. I think it's time to rate it. We spent a good hour on it. We spent we spent we spent thirty minutes on it. Yeah, which is more than enough because it's really a movie you got to experience. Um, yes, absolutely. I'm going to give it. If you know about the room, it's a solid A. If you don't know about the room, it's a B minus. Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty good mark. Uh, yeah. When I walked out of the theater, I was like, I'm thinking this is probably an eighty five. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like a B five eighty six, a solid B. Yeah. yeah. But then, um, one of my things for movies, you know, rewatchability mm-hmm. is huge for mm-hmm. me. Right. Um, it's why Coco got rated so highly for me. Um, this movie, I haven't stopped thinking about it, really, oddly yeah. enough. It's so strange. It's like infected my brain. And I just keep thinking about it. And I cannot wait until it comes out. I'm buying it. Absolutely. As soon as it comes out. I've got you a present, by And way. I don't buy movies that are less than an A. So yeah. I'm going to have to give it a 92. I got you a present for Christmas. Um, it's a D, it's a Blu-ray. Just so you're aware. Blu-ray. Yeah. Oh. Do you have a Blu-ray player? Oh yeah. Okay, gotcha. So just so you're aware that you don't have to give me one, but just think about movies that we've talked about. Okay. So you're thank aware. you. Yeah, thank no you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I, I want you to see this so we can talk about it on here. Yeah. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. So. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm gonna have to give it a. An a? Ninety-two. Yeah, it's a good 92. movie. It is a good movie. You need to watch it. You need to watch The Room. It brings all of my favorite quotes back from The Room. You're tearing me apart, Lisa! <laughs> you know, it's, it is worth it. It's worth every minute of, of watching it. I don't even know how long The Room time is. It didn't feel long. No. It, I think it's just like an hour and a half. Perfect pacing. Yeah. Um, um, I love, like you are just saying, that they didn't just refilm scenes, though. Like, you have your favorite scenes in there, but then that's that's it. They really focus a lot on the backstory of their lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly, yeah. So it was it was really, really well done. Um, in all honesty, this same cast could have just remade The Room, and I probably still would have given it an A. <laughs> See, I, I don't know. That was one of my worries, is that they're just going to, to remake, remake it. it. No, it, I mean, it probably would have, I probably would have given them a B just because of the James Franco effect. I love James Franco. He's probably one of my favorite actors in Hollywood today when he freaking acts. Right. Because um, I, I love all this stuff. I love the Wizard of Oz prequel. And everyone hated that movie, but I freaking loved that movie. I forget what it's called now. Oz the Great Power. I, I haven't seen that it's one. It's so gotta, good. Gotta you, you need to see it. I have it. You can borrow it. Okay. Yeah. I watched Gangs of New York. What did you think? It was so good. We need to talk about it. I was going to say, is that one we should After say? After Star Wars. That's one I could throw into the hall of my Hall of Fame. I love that movie. I, that's another one of them I watch every year. After Star Wars, um, maybe next year. You know, sometime next year. When you first yeah. said that, I was like, damn. Oh, wait. No, that's just a few weeks away. That's <laughs> <laughs> until next year. Right. Next yeah, year so. is right around the corner. So, um, but that being said... 
An A for me, A for Jacob. Go see it. It's worth the money. Find it. It's limited release. You can find it in a theater probably an hour within your, your way. Yeah. So drive to a big city. It's like find an artsy theater. People will appreciate it more there for right. sure. Right. Um, that being said, we're going to do our Hall of Fame since I have to explain this again because Coco failed. Um, <laughs> so... So we do the two now. We're gonna do the the one that we did before plus. Yes, except one I forget for which one I inducted last time. Oh shoot! See, I don't remember because when you were like, "Yeah," and I'm gonna, because I thought we were gonna like mention how we were gonna do it, but then you're like, "And I'm nominating this one," and yeah. I immediately went to like, "Oh shit, uh, mine yeah, is going fault. to be." Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll, we're gonna do two today because uh, I fucked up Coco. Um, so the way the Hall of Fame works is we're each going to nominate people, and since we don't have a big... We're each going to nominate movies, I should say. Um, and since we don't have a rather large audience, we're just going to keep putting movies into the Hall of Fame, and since there's really an unlimited amount of movies that we both love, and maybe not think deserve to go in the Hall of Fame, that's okay for now. But when we start getting a fan base together, we start building a fan base, I'm actually going to post these on our blog, and... Um, you know, on Twitter and on Facebook when we start, you know, getting more interaction. Um, and you guys can vote for which one of our picks goes into the Hall of Fame. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun interaction for you guys. And then, um, I'm throwing this out there, Jacob. I thought I thought this idea for a while. I haven't talked to you about it. I'm thinking we can also do a fan throwback once a week, once a month okay. where the fans vote. Oh, what we're gonna do. we're gonna throw that's back. a great idea. So that way, there's more for idea. them, and it, you know maybe we haven't seen. I was going to say, so we, like we might discover a movie that we right. never would have seen. Before. Exactly. So with that being said, um, Jacob, do you have an idea of what you're going to induct today? Well, my my one from Coco was Lawrence of Arabia. Mm -hmm. Love Lawrence of Arabia, and, and is there like a a date on these? We have to do like a certain date, or is it really just like any movie? Like, like Baby Driver could even get thrown in there. Yeah, I think I think any movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and throw in Gangs of New York then. I love yeah. Gangs of New York. Yeah. Oh, what a good movie. I'm so glad you, you mm. let me borrow that because I had never seen that. Yeah, Martin Scorsese. I love Martin Genius. Scorsese. You know, I love Genius. him, so I don't know how I haven't seen that. Yeah. It's a very Scorsese movie, too. Daniel Day-Lewis and that. He's the whole reason I watched Leo DiCaprio. Yeah. Leo was great, but Daniel Day-Lewis... Yeah. As the butcher. So good. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So good. I mean, you take him out of the film and it's a boring film. He's such a great villain. So, so good. Um, for me, I'm going to induct two um, as well. I don't remember what I inducted last time, so I, I'm sorry. Starting anew. But I am, I'm going to start anew, and I'm going to go ahead and say that Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner, good choice. is getting put in my Hall of Fame alongside... I was clearly I was way less. The new Blade Runner. <laughs> no, um, I would have to say um, Reservoir Dogs. Oh, that's great. probably what I'm, I'm putting in there. Tarantino's on the board. Yeah, oh, we got some good course. directors on there. Yeah, man. Yeah, we have right some the gate. directors. Yeah, because yeah. Ridley Scott did uh, Blade, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. So we got Scorsese, um, Blade or Blade Runner, Ridley, <laughs> Ridley Scott, Scott. Um, Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. And then who directed? That's Lawrence what I'm saying. I, I can't. I couldn't tell you. He directed Lawrence, actually. I'm That'll, sure it's good. We'll have to look I'm it sure up. Good yeah. Regardless. Um, and then, like, you know, in the Hall of Fame, I'll have a little bio of the movies. So you can click on and read that if you're interested. Awesome. Um, any other, any last words for you, Jacob, my friend? May the force be with you. May the force be with you. I'm Dan. And I'm Jacob. And this has been the Film Effect Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.
Awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Woo! All right. I'm gonna li- I'm gonna keep it in. <laughs>